welcome to the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and oh my god, this tournament has been so freaking good. I I think like we have been spoiled by the March Madnesses of the last seven or so years. Because 2015's was meh. 2014, 2015 were both kind of meh. Uh, 2016 was absolutely incredible. 2017 did not live up to that standard at all. 18 and 19 were both really good. 21 was okay. 22 was really good. And this year has been even better than all of them. Because short of having a batshit crazy national championship game, which I think we are going to have this year, 2023 has had everything those previous other tournaments had going for them. Because 2016, the tournament itself was actually pretty chalky. It's just... The cause because let's let's go back and look. Cause I have not actually looked at this bracket in a while. This this tournament, big thing with this tournament was that it was uh 2016 was already starting off to be a fucking nightmare for everyone. And for three weeks we got to forget up people like me who fucking hate politics got to forget about the fact that it was an incredibly obnoxious election year for three weeks. Let's see. Did anything super crazy happen this year? You got the Wichita state win, but they immediately lost in the second round. The Yale beat Baylor. That was, Oh, the Northern Iowa, Texas game. Oh my God. I forgot about that. Northern Iowa and Texas. And then Northern Iowa, Texas, A&M two of like, the best early round tournament games of all time. Whoops. Forgot about those. They were really freaking good. Uh, Indiana had a nice little run. Indiana beat Kentucky, which is always good. Stephen F. Austin over, over West Virginia. The 11 seed Gonzaga. That tells you how long ago this was. 11 seed Gonzaga. Oh yeah, that Syracuse that Syracuse team that somehow weaseled their way into a 10 seed yet made the final four. And then shockingly got shit stomped by North Carolina. Yeah, looking back at this tournament, this was not that great of a tournament. It's just the national championship game was so freaking good. We forgive the tournament itself for being a little chalky, except for the absolutely incredible Northern Iowa games between the two, between the two Texas schools. Obviously, those are their own category of insane. Some of the greatest tournament games of all time. If we're talking early round action. Like, I remember those games. Those games were nuts. I forgot those happened in 2016. Yeah, that was the big, like, early round story of 2016. Also, Maryland giving me a freaking heart attack against teams they absolutely should have beaten in South Dakota State and Hawaii before they then got shit stomped by Shocker Kansas in the Sweet 16. 
And at least the team that got their asses beat by Maryland put up or beat the asses of Maryland uh, lost to the eventual national championship in a tough match. But this is not about 2016. This is about 2023. And that's the big thing. Like, outside of the batshit crazy national championship game, which, like I said, I think we will have come Monday, this tournament has had everything that... Because 2016, you had an insane overtime game in uh, Northern Iowa and Texas A&M. This year, you get the insane overtime game in Madison Square Garden between Kansas State and Michigan State, which is going to be remembered as an all-time classic tournament game for two teams, neither of which made the Final Four. <laughs> that That's the crazy part. Neither of the, like, that game was absolutely insane. And then Kansas State went on to lose in the Elite Eight in relatively convincing fashion. Like, it was... Their next game was good. It wasn't great. Let's just... Actually, that game was incredible. (laughs) They should not have lost to Florida Atlantic. But then again, Florida Atlantic should also not be a nine. Like, sure, the CUSA was ass this year. But they were 31-3. and Does that mean nothing? And hopefully, hopefully this bodes well for the future of CUSA. Because one, they're leaving all of this money behind like the conference revenue sharing, they're leaving all of this money behind in CUSA. Like Liberty's going to get a cut of this. Kennesaw start getting a cut of this next year. Like they're leaving all of this extra money behind in CUSA. If they could have waited just a year to have this run. I mean, most of this team will probably have graduated or transferred, but maybe not with, how loyal uh, Dusty May seems to this program and the players seem loyal to him. But man, what what a freaking run the Owls have been on. Like, I know they're leaving and thank fuck they're leaving CUSA. Oh, thank fuck they're leaving CUSA. I am so happy. I would not want to deal with them. Like, sure, those games would be incredible. Those games would be absolutely incredible, but at the same time, as Liberty Basketball is currently constructed, they would get ass-blasted by FAU. (laughs) They would get destroyed by FAU, and it would not be pretty, and people would be calling for McKay's head. It's like, guys, they made a Final Four a year ago. We didn't make the tournament. We would have made a run this year, but that team, like, don't get me wrong. I love this year's Liberty team. I will appreciate them forever, just like I do the 2019-20 team who never got a chance to show what they were, and the 2018-19 team that won the school's first ever tournament game. Like, I will appreciate all of these teams forever. But this team would not have made a Final Four. <laughs> they would have they would have lost to Kansas State. It would have been a good game. I, it would have been an almost identical game, but I think the score would have been flipped. Liberty would have lost by three. So they would have covered the spread, more than likely, because 
I'd put that line at five and a half. Oh, now I'm sad because now I'm imagining a duel between Darius McGee and Marquise Noel. Two short kings who just ball out on the court. Like, couldn't be like calling them five calling both of those guys five nine is being generous. And they would have been the two best players on the court if they if they played each other. Eh, no. Keontae Johnson's better than Darius McGee. I love Darius McGee. Keontae Johnson's better. But look back at this tournament. We had a 16 over one that was a bigger upset than 2018 UMBC over UVA because UMBC just got in as a 16 seed. They were straight on the 16 line. They didn't have to do anything else. Farley Dickinson had to play a play-in game. And let's be honest, I've, I've been to Chesapeake employer, Chesapeake employers insurance arena. That name is a freaking mouthful. It's a whole hell of a lot bigger than, than fairly Dickinson's. Like it's not big, but it has an upper deck. Major concerts and wrestling promotions have their shows there. It was considered a viable substitute to the significantly larger arena in downtown Baltimore while that arena was under renovation. I don't think the same could be said for Fairleigh Dickinson's arena. So, bigger deal. And I, I don't think Purdue is, is going to come back and win a national championship next year because they still like to play basketball like it's the 80s. You don't really have... The redemption story, because the big storyline of 2019 was UVA's redemption, but I feel like other good stuff happened in that tournament. Because let's just, let's just see what else, what else happened in 2019? Uh, Liberty versus Mississippi State. Uh, Liberty almost beat Virginia Tech. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. Gonzaga went on a very impressive run. Oklahoma, UVA's redemption story. UVA's very, very incredible redemption story. Trying to find what else interesting happened in this tournament. Houston. Oh, yeah. Wofford, uh, Kentucky. Jeez, I'm remembering these tournaments very differently from how they actually happened. Oh, yeah, you had the Taco Fall show with uh, UCF that was very short-lived. Oh, yeah, Murray State. John Morant's big coming out party. Forgot about that one. Texas Tech had... Texas Tech beat Gonzaga. That was before uh, Chris Beard went both traitor and wife beater. Uh, Auburn, Kentucky. That was a fun one. Oh, yeah. Five seed Auburn beat, beat UNC and Kentucky to uh, get to the final four. That incredible game with UVA. And then UVA getting the win over over Texas Tech. So, yeah, I think. As far as upsets go, nothing's topping this year because you had a 15 make the Sweet 16 again. 
it, and it was he had a 15 made the sweet 16 again which i think is is happened three years in a row now because he had oral roberts you had oral roberts in 21 saint peter's last year and princeton this year so apparently fear the criminally underseated 15s Yeah, this has been an awesome freaking tournament because we got to watch the Marquise Noel show with with Kansas State. It's unfortunate that they lost to FAU because imagine imagine Marquise Noel versus San Diego State. That would be fun. <laughs> and of course, you got the resurgence of UConn now that they're back in the Big East and they're doing the scary March thing that UConn likes to do again. Like, they beat the fuck out of Gonzaga. I thought they might win. I didn't expect them to win by 28. What was the line in this game? They were favored by two and a half. They won by 28. They haven't made a Final Four in nine years. That's that's stupid. That's so stupid. So Yukon is back, scary as they've ever been, because you don't fuck with Yukon in March ever. And of course the the two Sunday games in in the Elite Eight. Creighton San Diego State, absolute barn burner. I thought Creighton was gonna win that, but they just could not put they couldn't put him away. Like, they were winning in most of the statistical categories. Rebounds were almost even. Like, ev- everything was almost completely even, but same with same with fouls. Like, fouls were dead even. Was only 11 fouls total. That's a it was a pretty chill game, honestly. But they just could not put the Aztecs away. And now here they are in their first ever Final Four. Three first-timers in the Final Four. Florida Atlantic obviously never been, because most people hadn't even heard of them before this tournament. San Diego State, I think in 2020 they would have made the Final Four. They were 30-2. and two. <laughs> like They would have been a one seed. That team probably would have at least had a very good shot at the Final Four. We'll never know, because we'll never know what the 2020 bracket was even going to look like. I'd like to go into the alternate universe where COVID never happened. And and see what the 2020 tournament looked like. Like, did Liberty make the Sweet 16? And maybe because of that, did Richie McKay leave? I honestly doubt it. I I doubt Richie McKay goes anywhere ever. But hey, you never know. I I don't think he would have left. But depends on how good that run would have been and how uh, how prominent the programs that started calling would be. But I'd love to see the alternate universe where that 2020 tournament happened. I'd love to see what it looked like. Because <laughs> just based on how good that season was, we were in for an absolute barn burner of a tournament. 
but we have we have been rewarded for our patience the last three years. Because <laughs> we're getting incredible tournaments year over year now. And, like, same thing with Texas. They just couldn't put Miami away. They couldn't do it. And, like, props to Jim Laranega. This dude took freaking George Mason to the Final Four in 2006. And he hasn't been back for 17 years. And here he is again. Like, I thought I thought the big discussion point on this show about Texas was like, oh, they're fine. They were clearly fine without Dylan DeSue. No, they weren't. <laughs> like, Marcus Carr popped off. Don't get me wrong. But Texas needed Dylan DeSue. They they didn't need him in the Sweet 16 game. I was worried when, when he got injured against Xavier. And then they just, they never gave up their lead. They continued to... Uh, step on the throats of the Musketeers and they were clearly fine, but against a fast paced team like Miami, they needed him because if he doesn't mess up his ankle or his foot or whatever he injured in the, the Xavier game, I think Texas is able to put Miami away and, and win that game and go to the final four Texas versus UConn would have been fun. Let's be honest. <laughs> like, I'm excited for Miami-UConn. Like, I'm excited for the game we're going to get. But Texas versus UConn would be fun. And Texas needed to... Uh, I'm I'm blanking on their interim coach's name, which I feel really bad. Texas Longhorns men's basketball. Who is their... Uh, Rodney Terry, that's right. Yeah, Rodney Terry, they should have offered this man... Oh, he is, uh, as of 17 hours ago, he is the uh, official new, the official next head coach of uh, of the University of Texas men's basketball team. Oh, the, uh, the press conference was streamed on the Texas Longhorns YouTube channel 23 hours ago as I am recording this. So they should have done this months ago, but I'm glad for their sake and for his, they did it because he's a better coach than Chris Beard and he doesn't beat his wife. He's 55. That's not... That's not that old for a college basketball coach. <laughs> like, he's got another 10, 15 years ahead of him if he wants to keep coaching that long. So, yeah, he's... Uh, I think Texas is going to be... I think Texas is going to be good for the foreseeable future because he's a better coach than Chris Beard. He had them on the doorstep of the Final Four. And I, I genuinely believe the only reason they didn't make it is because of Dylan DeSue's injury and running into a red-hot Miami team with one of the best coaches in the country. Because now that Kay has retired, now that Jay Wright has retired, now that, 
Well, Jim Beheim, Jim Beheim has not been one of the best con- coaches in the country for a while because he refuses to he refused to adapt, and I'm glad he's finally gone because he should have retired years ago. But now that now that Beheim's retired, <clears throat> Bill Self is probably gonna hang it up soon, depending on his health situation, because he wasn't coaching the last few Kansas games of the season. He didn't coach them through the through the end of the Big 12 tournament, and he didn't coach their their two tournament games. So I think I think Self is on the verge of hanging them up, depending on his on the status of his health. I think he might get one more year in. I think he comes back next year. And if they win, a, if they win a national championship, which they are more than capable of, cause he's going to hit the portal like a maniac. And I mean, they're Kansas. They always bring in good freshman recruits too. And if it's highly unlikely, but if he can get Grady Dick to come back for another year, like they will have, more than enough of a chance to make a run at another national title. And if they win another one, he's done like two championships in three years. His, he had a bit of a health scare this year. I could see him saying, okay, I have accomplished what I need to accomplish as a college basketball coach. I have what three national championships to my name. (laughs) If he wins, if he wins one more, because I'm pretty sure he already has two. Yeah, 2008. 2008 and 2022. So yeah, if they if they win another one, he's like, "Yeah, I have I have three national championships to my name. Nine Big 12 tournament champions. 17 Big 12 regular season champions. Actually, let's be honest, 18 and 10." Because if they win, if they're winning the national championship, they're also winning the Big Twelve. As good as the Big Twelve is, that's that's probably happening. Especially if he tells his players that, like, yeah, I'm done after this. Assuming next year is his last year, and they win the Big Twelve regular season, which they are probably going to do anyway, and he wins the Big Twelve tournament and the national championship, he will finish his career with three. <laughs> National championships, five Final Four appearances, 10 Big 12 championships, and 18 Big 12 regular season championships. And probably a third coach of the year. And a seventh Big 12 coach of the year. So, yeah. Like, if he if he rides off into the sunset next year with a national championship, I I wouldn't be at all surprised. Games this weekend, though. The lo- Looking at the lines, San Diego State is favored by a point and a half. That is a toss-up, and I think that is exactly how this game is going to go. I would love to see a nine seed from CUSA in the national championship because in what? three months Liberty is going to become a member of CUSA with a very good basketball team. So yeah, um, pretty sure, pretty sure that that's, that's a good thing for Liberty. If, if FAU were to 
make the national championship game, and Liberty then join the conference they are about to leave. This game's going to be really freaking good. Because <laughs> once the next big wave of realignment hits, San Diego State's on their way to the Pac-12. They're already an affiliate member for soccer because the Mountain West doesn't sponsor it. For men's soccer. I... Anyway. So they're they're on their way to the Pac-12 as as soon as they as soon as the opportunity presents itself. And I think that will be within the next five years, if that. Boise State's going with them. I think I've said that on the show before, but it's it's definitely true. I'm expecting I'm expecting a uh I'm I'm expecting a good game here. I'm totally blanking on the uh that's right. Janelle Davis. I, I knew I remembered his name, but I wanted to double check. Like obviously it's gonna have to be him. He's their leading scorer by not a huge margin, less less than a point ahead of uh less than a point ahead of Elijah Martin in terms of points per game. Davis is 13.9, Martin is 13.1. I'm surprised Greenleys is so low. Green Greenleys is 7.4. I figured I'd figured uh he would be higher. Just based on how much I've heard his name during games. And of course, <clears throat> Vladislav Golden. Because let's be honest, you can say, oh, FAU had an easy road. That man right there, Vladislav Golden, is why they would have also beaten Purdue. Like, say the Farley Dickinson upset doesn't happen. Virginia remains the only one seed to lose to a 16. FAU still beats Memphis because they are still criminally underseeded as a nine. And Golden eats Zach Eady alive in the paint. That's how that game goes. And their guards still absolutely suck in comparison to Davis, Greenlee, and Martin. Like, the same thing happens. It's just a lot more reasonable for a one to lose to a nine. It's happened before. It'll happen again. Especially a nine that would then go on to make the final four. And honestly, has a shot at a national championship game. I think San Diego State's going to win. I think they are, they are an absolutely incredible team. I think... Again, they're a little underseeded at five. They're, but their scoring attack is also much more, just looking at points per game, comparing the two, their, their offensive attack is much more balanced because they only have one guy who averages double figures. As opposed to Florida Atlantic, who have three, but the drop from those guys is much more significant because after after Golden, who averages 10.3, you drop down to Greenlee at 7.4. On San Diego State, it is much, much more gradual. Like the descent from top scorer to less effective scores is, is much more gradual at 
a bunch of guys at 6.1. Like, their their offense is much more balanced than Florida Atlantic's, which you would expect from Mountain West versus CUSA. The Mountain West is, I would say correctly, generally considered a better conference in terms of basketball, in terms of its, its basketball skill. And just bigger, more recognizable schools are members of the Mountain West. So it's it's not really all that surprising. But I think because of that, that's why this game is such a toss-up. It's a matter of, can the guys who take over for FAU actually take over? Or would SDSU just like committee, scoring committee them to death? Because their leading scorer is only a little bit lower than FAU's leading scorer. He's about a whole point behind. But everyone else is... Like, that's the thing. The best scorer on San Diego State would be the third in terms of points per game on Florida Atlantic. And I know points per game is not the best stat to, to go by. If you look at all the more advanced advanced analytics, they are dead even. They're almost exactly the same in points per game. 78 for Florida Atlantic, 71.5 for San Diego State. Pace, almost identical. 67.6 for Florida Atlantic, 64.9 for San Diego State. Field goal percentage, 46.7, 44.1. Three-point percentage, 9.6 versus 6.9. That's a pretty... Well, that's how many they take per game. Three-point field goal percentage, 36.5, Almost, Almost identical in basically every single stat. Steals, turnovers, true shooting percentage, effective field goal percentage. That one's actually not listed. Their offensive rating, their defensive rating. Their Pythagorean wins. They are almost identical. Marginal differences in every single stat column. But the weird thing is, Florida Atlantic is higher in all of them. The differences are marginal. But every single one of these stats, Florida Atlantic is ranked higher. So, um, no matter what, if, if you want my very bad gambling advice, take Florida Atlantic plus the points. Cause there's no way this is going to be anything bigger than a one point game. There's no way this is going past two points. These two teams are dead. Even only way, only way San Diego state covers that minus 1.5 spread is if they go to overtime. Because in overtime, they might be able to pull away. That is the only way I see this happening. Now, looking at the game with a little more name recognition in Connecticut and Miami. Five and a half points in favor of the Huskies. And again, like, all of their... This one... This one's weird because 
not every number, not every one of these advanced analytics is directly in favor of the Huskies. They're right next to each other in offensive rating. <laughs> Only problem is Miami's defensive rating is real low. That could be interesting. But there, there's some back and forth on this one. I agree with that Connecticut minus five and a half line. But something's got to be said for for Jim Laranega's coaching ability. And the fact that unlike some of the other coaches his age, he's been able to adapt. And there's something that has to be said for that. And th this team, I've said it before on the show, gives me vibes of that 2013 team that was just way older than everyone else in the field. Like in 2013, he had guys who were born in 1989. Like guys who were in their mid 20s, still playing college ball and were grown ass men playing against 18 and 19 year olds that populated the ACC at the time. So, yeah, I. I think. My heart wants to give this one to Miami because I think it would be really cool to have one, the idea of an exclusively South Florida national championship game would be hilarious to laugh at both North Carolina and Indiana in, in that situation. <laughs> but I, I think we, I think we get a 5-5 national championship. I think we get a 5-seed versus a 5-seed. I think we get San Diego State versus Miami. I don't know why. It just feels like... It feels like Jim Laranega wants to... Wants to... Almost go out on top. Because I can't see him coaching for much longer. And... I think bringing a national championship in basketball to the Miami Hurricanes would be a pretty big deal for him. He might keep going. I I don't know. If you want my picks, my picks are still San Diego State versus Miami. And and then Miami wins the national championship. Like that's my pick. What that does ripple effect wise for the off season, I don't know. But I'm here for it. I think Miami versus San Diego State would be an absolutely incredible national championship game. So yeah, that's those are my picks that I'm riding with. Connecticut. Connecticut loses to Miami and San Diego State beats Florida Atlantic. I'm I'm going to ride with those picks. And just because it has become mashup policy to dunk on Kennesaw State whenever the opportunity presents itself. You don't want to go to war with the Bulls.
Now, former Kennesaw State head coach. I, I want to get his name right. Because uh, Amir Abdur Rahim. I think he's a great coach. He's a very good coach. He annoys the hell out of me, but he's a very good coach. According to John Rothstein's sources, this is a direct quote from the the tweet of John Rothstein. Sources, Kennesaw State's Amir Abdur Rahim is finalizing a deal to be the next head coach at South Florida. Official announcement expected soon. Na, 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 na. Hey, 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 get fucked. I'm sorry, Kennesaw, but um, once again, your fans have been proven completely and utterly delusional because you're not going to be good in football and you're not going to be good in basketball. Your your head coach is headed to the greener pastures of the University of South Florida. I don't even know what city that is in. Because I know I know Central Florida is in Orlando. It is in Tampa. He is he is headed off to the greener pastures of the great city of Tampa, Florida. To uh, win championships in the American Athletic Conference instead of the Atlantic Sun or Conference USA. Maybe if you didn't get so freaking cocky, this wouldn't have happened. And no other Liberty fan will tell you this, but I sure will. You deserve it. Actually, it's WrestleMania weekend. You deserve it. You deserve it. Ugh. Hopefully, I won't have to dunk on... I think that will be the last uh, dunk on Kennesaw session on the podcast. But I had to do it. When I predicted their coach was going to leave, I thought it would take another year where they basically had the A-Sun uncontested. Because with Amir as head coach, who can threaten them? It's not Bellerman. It's not Lipscomb. It's not Queens. Like They had an open road to the easiest A-Sun championship imaginable. Like, let's just see who's going to be calling the Atlantic Sun Conference home next season. Let's let's just see. Let's just see. Uh, Jack, Jack State and Liberty are both uh, leaving to join CUSA. But they will still have Austin P. Bellerman. God, I hate them so much. Central Arkansas. Eastern Kentucky. Florida Gulf Coast. Jacksonville, the Dolphins. Lipscomb. University of North Alabama. University of North Florida. 
Queens University of Charlotte, and Stetson. That's, um... That's not all that impressive. Like at all. And I think it's glorious. <laughs> oh, I think I think it's absolutely glorious that they had this cakewalk of a conference in front of them next year. And he's like, nah, USF's going to pay me better. I'm gone. And props to him. He struck while the iron's hot. And now instead of living in Kennesaw, Georgia, he gets to live in Tampa, Florida. So, yeah, I'm I'm very happy with those developments today. But uh, that's what I got for college basketball. What do you what have you guys thought of the tournament so far? Let me know on Twitter. Let me know on Discord. Links in the show description, as always. And uh, up next, we'll get into some Call of Duty League action. That's coming up next here on The Mashup. All right, welcome back to The Mashup. You want to talk some CDL? I want to talk some CDL. Let's get let's get into it. Coming back this week after after the layoff from from Major Three, which was a freaking awesome tournament in every stretch of the imagination. And Major Four is going to absolutely suck because there's not going to be a crowd. It's just going to be at the freaking studio in Columbus. No, I will not stop being pissed about this. But hey, bounty matches are back. They're uh, they're coming over the next couple weeks. None this weekend, from the look of it. No, they're all they all start next week. Usually, three of the <laughs> three of the matches, all three matches next Friday are 10k bounty matches. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure. No, the Rocker Home Series is this weekend because they're playing they're playing two games on Saturday. That's going to be interesting. Rocker has to play back-to-back. Well, they they play one game, then they get Breach versus Toronto off, and then they play the second game. Their time at two and five. That's, uh, that's, that's going to be interesting. But actual predictions is not what I'm here to talk about as much. Like, it's qualifiers. You don't get real predictions out of me until the major. Until the uh, weekend of the major, which is in uh, three weeks, give or take. Actually, no, I think it is exactly three weeks. One, two, yeah, three. It is. It is exactly three weeks. <laughs> and I'm uh, I'm I'm excited for this. Like, I think it's going to be good, even if the major itself is going to suck because it's going to be an absolute silence. But Rocker Home Series this weekend will be fun. It's a shame that those are the only two real land matches. Until May. Like the next real land match with a crowd and everything will be Memorial Day weekend. The next real Land match will take place on May 25th. 
That is the Thursday before Memorial Day. It's not even Easter yet. Easter is in a week. That's sad. Anyway, I've done ranting about that. I've I've talked about my uh, complete displeasure with that decision on this show enough as is. So uh, let's talk about the, ba- the big things that happened. So obviously we know uh, Standy got benched, replaced with Hixie. That led to the major three title run for Toronto Ultra. And then I, I don't know the timeline on this. But Standy decided to go on the flank and talk a whole lot of shit for like a half hour about Scrap, about Insight, about Hexie, and say, oh, well, they're friends, so I guess they just wanted to play together. And I was I was the odd man out. Sure, let's Let's go with that. That's why uh, the the team was absolutely sucking with you. And then, and they all hated each other. And then as soon as they benched you and replaced you with Hixie, they all started playing better. And then won a major against Optic in Arlington. Sure. And I was like, okay, this is not the, the, cause the Twitter beef comes out and then, okay, this is not the last we've heard of this. And then Toronto ultra come in, in reply to, uh, I think it was breaking point. Yeah. Breaking point screenshot of the conversation between scrap and standy and tweeted it. And Toronto replied, Oh, just wait till we drop the episode. And sure enough, on Tuesday, they dropped a new episode of The Blueprint, which is a damn good docu-series. Like, every team, I've said it before, every team just needs to keep ripping this format off. Like, Optic's been doing it with the process for like a decade. Or Vision and then the process, it's the same show. But... Now Drive to Survive is popular on Netflix. Players did really well on Paramount Plus, even though Players is is fictional. It's still the same general concept. Just shamelessly rip them off. Everyone needs to do it. And most of the CDL has. The Blueprint, Zero to 100, The Process. All of, all of these shows exist. They need to do a better job promoting them. <laughs> but... Yeah, it got it got a little spicy in uh, in the beginning of that episode of the Blueprint because even during Insights Talking Head, you could hear Scrap off screen, like off camera, saying, "Just go ahead and say it." One of our one of our teammates blocked the spawns, talking about when they they choked that that control against Boston because Standy tried to get cute. And didn't come to his teammates, uh, blocked their spawn. They ended up spawning in a bad spot and they died. Now it's Fortress Control. That map sucks ass. But still, you know how to not, if you're a pro player, you know how to not block spawns. 
Don't block spawns. When your team has a strategy and you try to get cute, get cute in scrims. Don't get cute in real games. And I still don't think we've seen the end of this. These two aren't going to play each other again for another two weeks. And that match is going to be absolutely must watch. Like, when is that game? I think it's on, I want to say it's on April 14th. Yeah, Friday, April 14th. It's the first it's the first game of the day on on April 14th. Toronto Ultra versus Paris Legion. Or wow, I still called him Paris. Versus Vegas Legion. It's the it's the first game of the day on Friday. I'm curious how this new look Vegas roster performs. Uh Standy made a case for rookie of the year during Cold War, and he has not gotten back to that form since. So maybe with a change of scenery, he'll he'll be better. But uh, I don't know. I think uh, I think his his rocker level performance is behind him because that that Cold War era rocker team they were they were an anomaly because <laughs> they were just they were just giant killers out of nowhere. Like, they completely changed the trajectory of Optic Esports in two different games with one play. Like, that that Cold War era rocker team needs to be studied. Because <laughs> I don't know how they did half of the shit they did. <laughs> and then, of course, like, the rocker resurrection at Major 5 was... One of them was the most insane thing to ever happen in COD esports. And will never happen again because they've gone to best of sevens for championship matches now. But yeah, I think uh I think the matches this week are intentionally not that appetizing because as far as esports go. Call of Duty is most likely the one that's actually going to be competing with sports for viewerships. And it's Final Four weekend and WrestleMania weekend. Like they they saved the good stuff for next week and the week after. They saved the good stuff for weeks 2 and 3 of major four qualifiers. If you look at the schedule, it's very clear. Breach versus Legion, Thieves versus Royal Ravens, FaZe versus NYSL. That should be okay. Rocker versus Mutineers. That one's on land, so that one's appetizing in its own right. Uh, Breach versus Ultra, Gorillas versus Rocker, Thieves versus Surge, Ultra versus Surge. That should actually be okay. Same with Thieves versus Surge. London versus Optic. Mutineers versus FaZe. It's all pretty meh. But then again, the good games are on Sunday when March Madness games are not happening. And then next weekend, you get you get the actual good stuff. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the rest of the Call of Duty season because 
It's finally gone! Fortress Control has been removed from the map pool! You can hear him singing. It's finally over! Uh, the entire community's nightmare is over. We don't have to watch this stupid map ever again! Oh my god. It's a wonderful thing. I got so concerned. It's like, oh yeah, the players voted not to put to put Expo in the rotation and decided to keep Fortress Control instead. I was like, uh, excuse me, what the fuck? <laughs> Every single player I've heard Every single player, viewer, and commentator has all said they absolutely hate watching and playing Fortress Control. And they voted to keep it? But no, a few hours later, it's like, no, we, we took this shit out. We're, we're going to play on Expo instead. Thank God. Oh man, I was so happy when I saw that it that they actually decided to remove it. Because there's no way we could go through the rest of the season watching that shit. <laughs> Expo has its issues. Point A is a little weird. Point A is more than a little weird on Expo, and there are a lot of opportunities to snake like a little bitch. So this map has its own issues, but it is not Fortress, and that's good enough for me. <laughs> like, I've, I've said it before. I would rather watch a nine-map series of Piccadilly, Bocage, and Tuscan with a Desert Siege search thrown in for map nine than ever watch Fortress Control ever again or go look at uh go look at Seattle Surge's tweet from yesterday from from Tuesday where they just tweeted series are about to look like this and it was Ramaza Hardpoint Miami Search Fortress Control Petrograd Hardpoint Desert Siege Search just the worst map and mode combinations in the CDL era only thing that was mis missing was Tuscan control and anything to do with Piccadilly. Because <laughs> Piccadilly deserves its slander because even IW hated that shithole of a map. But thank God Fortress Control is gone. I... Let's just Let's just play it one more time. This time even louder let's let's just hit it again Ah, wasn't that wonderful? That weirdly, like, took me back to my Catholic school days, but 
in the moment, I didn't care because it was such a good joke. <laughs> and it was 100% what I was feeling when I heard that uh, Fortress Control uh, has been deleted from the map pool. But yeah, that's... Uh, and if you're if you're expecting me, the Ravens fan, to get angry and ranting about the Lamar Jackson situation, I'm not gonna do it. I'm I'm so sick of this stupid story. I I just want both sides to make up their damn minds so we can move on. There, there's your there's your Ravens-induced anger that I'm sure you tuned into this episode for. I'm in too much of a good mood about Fortress Control being removed and how good of a Final Four we're going to have this weekend to let myself get angry about a situation that have I that I have had to deal with people talking about and making wild theories for the last two years. I just want it to be over with. So that's all you're going to get out of me from the Lamar Jackson situation until there is a resolution. Like I said a month ago. But that's what I got for... Oh, I totally forgot to mention. I now have an affiliate link with the Barstool Sports Store. It's not that big a deal. Literally anyone can get one. But uh, maybe if you go show some love to the affiliate link... They will, uh, they will go investigating where this call to action came from and maybe they'll be impressed. So if you want to help your boy out, go check the affiliate link. It'll be on my Twitter and it'll be in the show description and, uh, get some stuff from the Barstool Sports store. Uh, and they, uh, I do get a kickback from this. I, I don't know all the, uh, the FTC regulations on this. I do get a kickback on those sales, just full disclosure. But if you want to help me out and maybe really help me out, uh, go show some love to that affiliate link, pick up, like they've got good stuff for fans of like every team college and pro and uh and they've just got good stuff like i i have a closet full of barstool merch i love all of it like go uh go pick up some stuff for yourself they they cover a wide range of interests so uh go find something you like and uh help me out and get some cool stuff for you but that's what I got for the show this week. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, talk to you guys after the national championship game. See you then. Your heart 
feel the wind in your face. It's more than a contest. It's more than a Cause inside you know And one shot 